Right, welcome back everybody to the BA Brew, returning here for season two. I'm Debbie. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Mike. And today we are discussing, over our coffee, what we call the delivery dilemma. What on earth do we mean by that, Jonathan? Well, I'm trying to work that out myself, Debbie, so thank you for passing that one across to me. Um, I think that there's going to be lots of different definitions, so we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully get to the end of it by the end of today's part. But my two pennies worth, I suppose, is we've got a dilemma when we're working on our change initiatives in terms of what, what is it that we deliver and should we be focused on the short-term goals or should we be focused on the longer-term goals? So one of the things that we'll do quite often is we'll be focused on trying to write things like requirements or write down the business case. So we're, we're trying to get the thing moving forward, build momentum. We're trying to deliver maybe for the immediate need, but one of the things that I think we need to do, and this I think is the dilemma, is to factor in the long-term and um, there's there's a quote from Jeannie Ross, and I can't I can't um, quote it word for word, but it talks about um, thinking about delivering in terms of uplifting capability for the long term, not just fulfilling immediate needs. And I think that's a dilemma, and I think that's one of the dilemmas that we've got in business analysis. So that's my two pennies worth to start off with. Um, Mike, over to you. <laughs> Well, how do I follow that? Um, that's that's kind of tricky, isn't it? Because that sort of that long term thinking, it, that long term thinking could be at the expense of the short term benefits. Mm. I think actually, are we are we talking here that maybe that agile approach of delivering um, things that might offer value? I nearly fell into the trap there. Mm. <laughs> like delivering it. things that might offer some value uh, in in short time scales, um, but kind of take our eye off that end game, or do we? Do we go with the, the waterfall type approach and say, well, we're going to do all of these things and come out with something in the end that actually meets the needs? Maybe maybe it's not as as uh, challenging as that. Maybe we don't need to think of those as, as poles apart. But yeah, what I, I quite like the idea of, uh, of quick wins, um, as long as those quick wins move you along to something. So you're going to get some kind of value out of that early. Um it's kind of tricky. Uh, it's, I guess, it depends where the value's sitting. Who's who's getting the value out of this, and how they're getting the value, um, mm. and and which what's the most appropriate way to to and um, we, we say deliver, but actually, are we delivering anything? I don't know. And is it a value? And is it a value? I mean, they, yeah, these these questions. We we say we do we might deliver something, but that whole question about value isn't really ours to determine, is it? So, well, it's not. I, I think. I think it's quite interesting, really, because when you think about delivery, um, where's our focus? I mean, are we focused on customers and on what they want? And obviously for us, our customers can be internal and they can also be external. So we've got all these different levels. So are we focused on that in terms of delivery? Are we focused on just trying to sort of make sure that we go through a process of using, you know, iterative development, agile delivery, incremental delivery. Are we focused on meeting the needs of the business financially? You know, mm -hmm. where's our delivery focus? And mm -hmm. I think sometimes understanding the desired outcome is quite tricky in our world because there's different levels of outcome. But we do have to think about that. And one of the things that um, that I worry about, because you guys know I worry about this a lot, 
is when we wrap things up in terminology. And I find that really unhelpful. And I'm going to put it out there and say, if a lot of people are confused by delivering a minimum viable product, why are we using the term minimum viable product? Because, you know, if that's confusing people, surely part of the outcome should be that we want people to appreciate, understand, utilize what is being delivered and co-create value out of it. Mm. They don't understand something. How does that work? Mm. I think there's a there's a you make me think of design thinking now, Debbie, in terms of um, thinking about prototyping and and we talked about test and learn um, previously on the pod, haven't we? And thinking about well, if we're not sure, we should collaborate and prototype and try and understand perspectives. So that finance perspective, the business customer perspective, we take a strategic long term view or a process, but we take lots of different perspectives, but try and work internally in a collaborative way we genuinely trust each other we're respectful we listen we learn and and we test and learn so that we, if we, if they i'm not i don't have a strong view on the mvp term where it is used i think we should define what we mean by it yeah but if we if we want to know well we're meeting and minimal viable product well we've got to have different views on that different perspectives of what is viable or not viable and how are we going to build build knowledge from whatever it is that we've produced and iterate and learn? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think if you, if you break that down, minimal viable product, break that down into those three words, it doesn't say anything really useful, does it? We're saying this, mm. it's the minim, minimal. So what's the what's the least we can get away with? Mm. Viable, well, viable from whose perspective? Yeah. Viable from our perspective, providing it or viable from the, the customer's perspective and product well that's just mm. something we, we've done and the, the use of the word product also suggests that uh, we're, we're sort of throwing it over to the next silo mm. and allowing them to get on with it so there's not there's there isn't that um, it doesn't feel like there's any co-creation in that um, it'd, be, so it'd be nice to kind of counteract the minimal viable product with some kind of the, I don't know, the maximum uh, possible service so service long term we're not thinking short term for over the fence but what's the maximum that we could offer in terms of the service and be a little bit more aspirational because I think some of the problem with MVP is that it's letting it's letting culturally us think about only the basics mm. the bare minimum of what we could offer and, and there's there's a big big movement in terms of uh, lean strategy, lean development in terms of um, the lean startup and whatnot, in terms of test and learn from small, small increments. And, and I think there's there's power in that, but it needs to be counterbalanced by some aspiration um, around what might be possible for the future. And I think that that might be an issue with MVP. I'm, I'm, I'm worried I'm going to contradict myself. I probably already have. Um, <laughs> but it's but it is, is maybe an issue and it's culturally a challenge for us if we're only thinking about what's minimal all the time and the product word throw over the fence. We're not thinking long term. Yeah, I think I think as well, though, if you think of um, minimum viable product, that has one focus. If we then try to move it further into delivery and we talk about minimal marketable product, mm. I still think we're not thinking about the end recipient enough because mm -hmm. you know marketable implies we're marketing something which yeah. is us again internally but the other thing with some of these things and i do agree with mike about quick wins 
quick wins where they're nicely discreet, you know, absolutely great. But delivery constantly is disruptive mm. business, mm. you know. And if you can do that in a way that it is completely opaque, if you like, to customers, so they don't realize it's going on, that's one thing. But mm. if customers are constantly having to, you know, accept learn, adapt to new features and something that looks different, it has a really disruptive effect. So you have to ask yourself then, as you just did, Jonathan, actually, just repeating what Jonathan said, <laughs> viable to whom? Um, mm. Actually, I think it was Mike who said it, viable to whom, yeah. marketable to whom, because actually delivery is about delivering something, but actually making sure that it works, that it's accepted, that it enables a realization of benefits and beneficial outcomes. That's that's a different picture. Whether it's longer term or whether it's just a higher level, more all-encompassing picture is the question mm-hmm. for me. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to invent a new acronym now. Ooh, go for it. I don't know. Uh, copyright, Mike. Copyright, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking about it and thinking maybe we need OMBO, which is Optimal Mutually Beneficial Outcome. Oof. Ooh, OMBO. I like it. So, because it says, I mean, it says what you what you really want is actually something where it's optimum, so it's doing the best, uh, yeah. it's doing the right thing. It's not doing the minimum we can get away with, or the the full the full thing. Yeah, and it's mutually beneficial outcome. So both, well, whatever the parties that are involved in this are getting something out of it. I like that. I like mutually beneficial outcome. That's that. I think. I think. Hang on a second. I'm just putting a little C in a corner on that because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's exactly what it's about, really, isn't it? You know, and and if we think about the different aspects, you want it to be mutually beneficial, but that means understanding the context. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And you know, the context is just so important yeah. to delivery, and sometimes when we can get a little bit hooked up internally then actually and we're talking about what is viable do we really understand the context well enough to make that decision mm. and i think that is a really really nice way of looking at it is mm. that sense of mutually beneficial outcome in context mm. on book there you are i've extended <laughs> your acronym copyright devil pool yes over to you john <laughs> Oh, I haven't got any add acronyms. A, add another letter, Jonathan. Just add I another letter. I just can't. I can't. I can't. You can't um, replicate the greatness that you've just showed them, Mike. <laughs> I'm not going to try. <laughs> um, what I was thinking about, um, just as you were talking, is that what's optimal today might not be optimal tomorrow. Yeah. And we've got to revisit what that, that word optimal because the outcome might change and our perception of it no um i'm going to throw in the kano model now because the kano model helps us to think about basic features versus delighters and so one of the things that the optimal and an outcome what's the optimal outcome now might not be the same the optimal outcome that we're looking for in six months time three years time and it's kind of for me it's we've got to continue to look at those questions and really think about well what are the outcomes and are they changing perceptions of them and 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 this is this is really difficult i think but genuinely this is where i think the lean startup and the lean strategy movements coming in around continuous improvement i mean it's not just hot air and words you've got to really 
have it in your culture and to have it in your culture people have to believe in it and work towards it yeah I, I I think that's a really interesting look at it because when you think over the longer term people's expectations change and I think Kano is a brilliant model mm. for understanding um, expectation change because what is a delighter today is a basic essential tomorrow yeah, yeah. I remember getting in my granddad's car I was five years old and it had electric windows and the electric windows I found fascinating myself and my brother pressing the buttons I'm not sure my granddad was very impressed with us um <laughs> But electric windows today no longer delights me in quite the same way. And so the, the, I just think you're such a young boy, Jonathan. Honest to goodness. When I was a young lad, I got in a car with electric windows. Really? <laughs> the electric windows. I was like, wow, this is cool. I just remember a handle that you had to wind. <laughs> Mike, can you remember? You, Mike, on that one. <laughs> yeah, just, I, I, yeah, what can I say? Um, you were lucky. We we didn't use have windows in our car. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to make out yours on a horse drawn carriage. <laughs> yeah, we used to have cardboard at the side. <laughs> um, no, we did. We, when I was younger, we we had a uh, we had a Volkswagen van, but it wasn't the camper vans with the lovely little windows. It was a trade van with a sliding door. So the window was a little sort of uh, letterbox window at the back, and we sat on. This is probably going against all health and safety. We sat on a little bit of um, sponge at the back over the engine. It was, uh, uh, those were the days. <laughs> so we couldn't open the windows. We couldn't even wind them down. The only way to open them was to take the sealant out and push it back, which fortunately we didn't do. But that, that, I, I like that because that sponge that you were sat on, that for me is the minimal viable product. It's viable. It's, oh, it was a delight it, for us. It was a delight for us. <laughs> <laughs> But that's a good example of perspectives then, because for me it's minimal viable and you're like, it's a delighter. <laughs> yeah, I think for you actually, Jonathan, though, after your, when I was a boy, I, I had electric windows in the car with my um, family. You've lost it now on the minimum lost viable. It. Do you know that? You completely lost it. But it, it is quite interesting though, because that thing over time, it really does make the point with Kano. And so you could ask yourself, well, Whatever the term we use, the minimum product, the what, what was it, Mike? The Ombo? Ombo? Was it? Ombo, yeah. Ombo, yes. Look, I've forgotten Ombo, already. Mutually, mutually beneficial outcome. Yeah. As we that, practice could this. Be, that, that could link into Kano as your sort of um, your basic sort of level of what I sometimes think of as the satisfiers. They mm. satisfy the, the, the core mm. level of need. And then you could sort of think about, well, OK, if that's sufficient to deliver, then we can maybe think about the delighters maybe mm. as a second increment or something mm. like that. I think that's a nice way of looking at, looking at it because you are moving not from saying we're going to extend the scope, but saying, actually, this, this works, this is good, this does what you need it to do. But actually, there's a delighter, delighter level that could really take you forward then. Mm. Yeah, so if you've got your, if your Ombo is your baseline, you need to look at what your product or service is and and the speed at which that that whole marketplace is changing, how the yeah. customer's needs are changing, and then have a view as to where your Ombo, your, your new baseline might be in a, uh, some point in the near future and just keep moving that. Mm. Yes, yeah. There's a lot of thinking about design and architecture. So if we're going to, if the, if the, 
customer demands and expectations are moving, we've got our minimal or optimal service offer, we've got to be able to revisit that and incrementally uplift that service offer. Mm. And this is where I think business design comes in, that that it's it's really tricky to do that. How can you forecast and predict future changes that we may or may not need and allow for your services to be flexible against unknown needs? And, and for me, that's one of the that's a delivery dilemma. How can you, as a change professional, think ahead for future scenarios of things that may or may not be added, requirements that may or may not be needed in the future? And, and for me, that's we're just we're down a rabbit hole now. I think we are. We've moved into yeah. yeah we we need to reverse reverse quickly. <laughs> I'm doing scenario analysis in my head here, Jonathan. It's difficult because we we if we if we're the custodians of whatever are the business outcomes. Well, what are those business outcomes? Are they the outcomes for today, or is it the outcomes for three months' time, three years' time? Yeah, I'm serious though. This is where I really do love scenario analysis as a technique because to me, it forces you to go, okay, here's the current list of steps, if you like. Let's ask the question, what if and what else and what if not? And that can take you into all sorts of different routes and it can extend your thinking. And, you know, if, if you're a business analyst, it allows you to sort of put those challenges in place as well. Mm. And I think in terms of delivery, then it also allows you to say, well, OK, which of these things do we need to handle? You know, in terms of our ombo, we're going to use that term forever now, Mike. OK, but in terms of our ombo, you know, which ones do we need to put in place now? Sort of thing, which ones can we handle in a different way because it's so infrequent? And so I do think we've got some sort of core techniques that help us to think differently. And maybe we just don't use them often enough. Maybe. I think we've got to have a bit more confidence in pulling these tools out of our toolkit Mm. and challenging the status quo, challenging this MVP or delivery tyranny of the urgent is one of my least favorites as well. Just get things done and why do we need to get it done today? What's the consequence? What outcome are we trying to look at? And I throw in the outcome frame as another technique that I just it's thinking about begin with the end in mind, how people think, feel, what will people achieve when they've achieved when they've got the outcomes that you're delivering and and really try and get in that target state mindset, work backwards from it. It might help us be involved in more conversations that are innovative and, and strategic yeah those are conversations about around business design anyway have we exhausted well we haven't because there's a whole toolkit to exhaust but we probably need to wrap this one up now guys yeah i think i think in terms of this discussion for today <laughs> we've, we've gone down quite a few rabbit holes there haven't we <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to say rabbit holes. I'm going to say we've explored some very, very potentially valuable avenues. Mm. How about that? I like that. I like that. Mutually beneficial outcomes. Yes, that's <laughs> right. We've explored possibly mutually beneficial avenues <laughs> as well. Okay, well, thanks very much for that discussion. A lot of stuff for us to think about there. So that is the end of this episode of BA Brew. So thanks, Jonathan and Mike. If anybody wants to send us any comments or any feedback, we're always looking for new ideas from what we want to discuss and even from people who might want to join us for a discussion on the brew, as we sometimes call it. So if you want to get in touch with us, 
I can't remember the actual email address. So be able to record that in a minute. Okay. So if you want to get in touch with us, it's babrew at assistkd.com. Thanks very much. <laughs> so I hope you all enjoyed listening to that. And if you've got any comments or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Just contact us at babrew at assistkd.com. Thanks very much. <laughs>